What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because if you mind the nickels and dimes, the dollars take care of themselves. Hat tip to Ben Young for that one, an early mentor of mine in my house painting days. This week's Side Hustle is about minding probably not the nickels and dimes, but definitely the quarters and about how those can add up to some serious cash flow in a laundromat. Owning a laundromat, I think, is one of these stereotypical side hustles that have been around forever. And yet here we are in episode 433, and we haven't talked about this yet. Simple, local, cash flowing business. I want to say this was one of the examples in the Rich Dad Poor Dad cash flow board game where the object of the game is to escape the rat race by buying or building cash flowing assets. Isn't that the game we're all playing? Financial independence, right? In any case, laundromat's definitely an interesting way to help you get there. When Side Hustle Show listener Jordan Berry reached out about his experience in the laundromat business, I was excited to learn more and share it with you. Stick around in this one to hear why a laundromat makes a great side hustle and investment vehicle, some expensive mistakes to avoid, where to look for financing help, and some creative marketing and monetization ideas to really accelerate your ROI and build equity at the same time. Notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash laundry, and you can find Jordan at laundromatresource.com. Jordan is a former pastor, now turned multi-laundromat owner, but what made him think this was a great idea? Ready? Let's do it. It's like, wow, that's such a random direction in life, and it is. So when I decided to step aside from pastoral ministry vocationally, We had a chunk of money, but I didn't really have a plan on what to do. And I developed a what I thought was a genius plan, which is rent out our house that we owned here in Southern California and go buy a condo in Hawaii and live in Hawaii for a couple of years on the beach. And then when our kids were school age, we could come back to Southern California, net gain condo in Hawaii. And my wife... (laughs) Come back to real life. It sounds like a good plan to me. I still think it's a great plan. But my wife, on the other hand, was like we should buy a laundromat. And thus begins the saga of the laundromat. And kind of the thought process behind that was, which I think also is a genius idea, but the thought process behind it was, you know, we wanted to put our money into something that would be making money where we didn't have to be there. And this was before I had heard of Rich Dad, Poor Dad or investing of any sort really i was i was very naive so this was a very novel idea to me and i was very intrigued by it and it kind of sent me down this path did your wife's family have a background in running these things or she was just like this seems like a cash flow business let's go try it <laughs> yeah no she heard of like a i guess like a family friend who bought a laundromat and he quit his tech job up in northern california and that was very inspiring and intriguing. And so that's kind of how we were introduced to the concept. And we thought, man, if he could quit his tech job, you know, and just run a laundromat and he's there, you know, five, 10 hours a week max, that sounds like what we want to do. Let's do that. Is there a typical ROI that these things sell for? Like what's, I I mean, you can think of a rental house and, you know, the market is very efficient, at least in certain areas, or at least it's uh, believed to be, and say, well, here's the cap rate, or here's kind of the, um, you know, cash on cash return I can expect with rent. How are laundromats priced? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes laundromats 
I think one of the best businesses out there, which is kind of a funny thing to say because, you know, it's just a laundromat and you probably drive by them all the time and don't notice them. But the way that they're valued is they're valued based on net income and they're valued on a multiple of that net income. And so the typical multiple is three and a half to five, somewhere in that range, you know, depending on the condition and of the equipment and the business and the length of the lease and stuff, but somewhere three to five times net income, which means your returns can easily be over 20 and even over 30%. That's unleveraged returns without any leverage. I mean, that's without borrowing money, without borrowing money at all. But depending on the price of three to five times uh, net income, it's probably going to be a borrowing money situation, depending on you know, how much this thing is making is I imagine that could add up quickly. It could be an expensive uh, acquisition, but 20 to 30%. So for the comparison, you know, if we look at a traditional rental property, especially with the market, the way it is right now, like if you're doing 10, 12, 14%, you're doing excellent there. So, so you're doing a little bit better here, but there's, I mean, there's maintenance involved, there's equipment and maybe some other stuff to consider. So your wife says, we're going to buy a laundromat. The numbers look interesting. They pencil out. You say, okay, let's go for it. Like, how do you begin shopping for one? I mean, that's a really great question. It was something that we didn't really know. And we just kind of fumbled our way through it. Started probably where everybody starts online. And we just Googled laundromats for sale near me and kind of chased laundromats for sale and started trying to get a hold of brokers that were listing laundromats and try to find one that was relatively close to us that that we felt like we could make work. So that's kind of where we started. And you found that first one. What was the process like of kicking the proverbial tires? It was kind of exciting, actually. We had never owned a business. And so we we got this sneak peek into this business. But the one that we ended up buying was really run down. It was typical what you think of when you think of a laundromat. You know, it was half the lights were out. Half the machines didn't work. It was dingy. There were homeless people there. But we were getting in there and we started opening up these machines and counting quarters. And I was like, man, this is pretty interesting. Quarters add up pretty quick and you can make pretty good money with just a bunch of quarters. So we got in there and we just started trying to figure out, you know, the trick to buying a laundromat really is figuring out how much money it's making, how much money it's spending. And is it going to continue to do that after you take over? And what can you do to improve the business? Right? So we're kind of asking ourselves those four questions going along the process in order to try to figure out if this was going to be a good fit for us or not. And when someone has their business listed with a brokerage, they've disclosed those financials, profit and loss. Yeah. So those are seller reported. So the brokers relay that information. You know, one of the big tricks to buying a laundromat is that they're all cash businesses. So it can be very difficult to verify those numbers, to pinpoint exactly how much money laundromats are making, it can be a little tricky. So there's lots of little tricks and techniques to try to get as much data as possible to get, you know, as close of a guesstimate as possible, but it can be tricky. Is there anything you can do to protect yourself? That's interesting. Yeah, it's an all cash business. According to the IRS, it made very little, but according to the broker, hey, we're making money hand over fist. Yeah. And I, I always tell people too, like, and not all laundromat owners are like this. And I think this kind of model of, you know, underreporting to the government and overreporting to buyers is, you know, I think it's going by the wayside because it's just not a good way to do business. 
But in the past, it's been like that. And I always tell people, hey, if an owner's willing to lie to the government about how much the laundromat's making, they're willing to lie to you about it too. So you got to be very diligent if their taxes don't match up with you know, what they're saying the business is doing. So a few things to protect yourself is one of the things you want to do is do coin collections during due diligence. After you make an offer and it's accepted, you want to go in and collect coins with the owners every week for a few weeks, three, four, five, six weeks, and just kind of get a feel for how much money is coming in. And while you do that, you also simultaneously take a water meter reading so you can see how much water is being used. And you can compare that to previous water bills and how much money the owner says it's making. Is that the biggest expense, just electric and water? Electric, water, and gas, gas for the dryers. So yeah, utility bills are high with laundromats. But I always tell people I'm willing to pay really high bills if I'm making a lot of money. Yeah. Is there a rule of thumb for what a machine should bring in over the course of a week, over the course of a month? I mean, that really varies based on the size of the machine and the traffic in the store. Um, So laundromat performance is measured on turns per day. And that is basically an average of how many times each day a machine is used. So I think the industry average is a little over three turns per day, which means on average, each machine in the store is used a little over three times a day. And so I tell people, if you run your numbers at you know somewhere between two and a half turns per day or three turns per day, and you're okay with those returns, then you probably have a pretty safe bet. But if you need more than that to get the returns you're looking for, you might want to see either lower the price or look for a new deal. Okay. What does each turn cost the customer? Uh, man, that varies really widely. So there's there's a lot of different types of wa- and sizes of washing machines. And depending on where you're at in the country also, vending prices can be significantly higher or lower. You know, prices usually range from like two to, you know, some of the really big machines are are 14 bucks a, a load, but they're doing 80 pounds of laundry. So basically you just take everything you own and throw it in one machine and get it all done at once. Yeah, the laundromat industry is really evolving right now to bigger machines, more efficient machines. But with that comes expenses. With that comes expenses. Those machines typically stay with the building with the sale of the business? Right, yeah. So generally when you purchase a laundromat, you're purchasing the assets of the business, which is you know typically the machines and things like the boiler, the changers, the fixtures, you know the infrastructure, the plumbing, the electrical. That's typically what you're purchasing. Okay, so you can find connect with a broker or you know Google laundromats for sale near you. See if you can find some listings, and then you start this due diligence process of looking at the books to the extent that they're available doing the in-person coin collection with the owners, trying you know see for yourself like what it's bringing in, comparing the utility statements. What came next in your case? Oh, so, I mean, we ended up pulling the trigger on that first laundromat and it was rough, man. It was a, it was a bad experience. It turned out the broker, we relied solely on the broker because I, I just had a hard time finding good information about laundromats online. And so I relied pretty much solely on the broker who, you know, sold me on a business that was never going to do, is never going to perform the way he said it was going to perform. And it was a rough area. (laughs) And so, 
you know, we ended up losing a lot of money for a long time before we were able to kind of pull ourselves out of that situation. And it was, it was hard. Yeah. Here we are today. And you, despite this not great first experience, you went and bought another, maybe lesson, lessons learned, and you become the advocate. You're like the laundromatresource.com guy. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I figured I paid a lot of money and a lot of emotional stress and trauma for these lessons. So I decided to put them to work. And so we did buy another one and we got some land with it, which was nice. And then, you know, I just started thinking about it. And I was like, nobody should have to learn the lessons that I learned the way that I learned them. So if I can just help anybody out to get into this business, because there are some gotchas, it is a cash business. There are ways that people can take advantage of you if you're new. And so, you know, I wanted to kind of help get good information out there to really help because I really believe in this business and in this business model. And it can really propel you to financial freedom very quickly if you get in it right. If you get in it wrong, it can take a really long time to dig yourself out. And so I really want to help people get into it the correct way. So that's kind of why I started Laundromat Resource and the podcast. Do you have a horror story or two from that? first purchase. I'm just curious, like what mistakes should people be looking for? What mistakes should people avoid? So number one, I always say never rely. This seems obvious probably, but it wasn't to me, but never rely on the person whose income depends on you buying anything really, but a laundromat, like a broker, he's not making money unless you buy that laundromat. Don't rely solely on them. Even if they're a great person, there is a conflict of interest there to a degree. And so I always say, hey, have somebody else who's experienced in the industry, whose income doesn't depend on you buying the laundromat, who can help you navigate the waters, who can help you look for red flags, help you figure out what questions you need to ask, what data you need to collect. That was a huge one, huge lesson that I learned that I think is probably important in any business, but especially in in a laundromat business. Are you typically assuming the lease on the building or is the building part of it? I mean, most of them I'm thinking of like, they're kind of in a strip mall. So I assume that's a lease situation. Obviously you can go either way with that. I do lease one and I own the property with one, but you're typically either assuming the lease or you are negotiating a new lease during the transfer process. And, you know, the lease is critical. And that's another kind of big mistake to avoid is if you get a bad lease, either too short, too expensive or bad terms, it's really difficult to move a laundromat. So if your lease runs out and the landlord decides they don't want to re-up you or they want to really jack up the rents, you're in a lot of trouble because it's very difficult to move a laundromat. So you want a good, solid, long-term lease. And so if the current owner doesn't have that many years left, you know, you probably want to negotiate a new lease. So I found one, I'm on bizbuysell.com. I found this wasn't super close to me, but this is kind of out in the Central Valley in series. Asking price, 189,000 EBITDA. uh, What's that? Earnings before interest Taxes, depreciation, I don't know what it stands for. Basically the net operating income, but yeah. Net operating income is estimated at 70, call it 77,000. So it's trading at a little under two and a half times that, at least the asking price. It says the lease is assumable. Doesn't say when the lease expires. Oh, new lease to be negotiated by owner of real estate. Okay, so that that may be a potential red flag. Mm -hmm. 
looks pretty nice though. At least uh, like from the pictures, it looks like a, there's cars in the parking lot. It doesn't look to be totally abandoned. Like some of the strip malls nearby, the flooring could use some work, but like the machines and stuff look like they're in decent shape. Yeah. So on a deal like that, that new lease is really going to determine the actual NOI, you know, because most likely if that lease is coming up, that's a really old lease and the lease price is probably significantly lower than market value. So that's going to eat into that NOI, which is probably why it's valued at around two and a half times the NOI, because the real NOI is probably going to be lower after the new lease is put in place. That would be my guess. Okay. Is there such thing as laundromat financing or just, you know, a small business loan to try and cash flow this rather than waiting the three years to break even if you're buying it with cash? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of using financing to purchase a business and allowing the business to pay for itself. And so there's, you can get SBA loans for laundromats, but only under very specific situations. So what I always recommend is talk to a couple of laundromat specific lenders and they not only know the business and and can let you know what you need to get in place to get a laundromat, but their interests are aligned with yours. They want you to succeed. They don't want you to buy a laundromat, you know, that's not going to make money because they're less likely to get paid. So they're on your side. So you get to leverage their experience, their knowledge, and their money when you work with a laundromat specific lender. How do you recommend finding that person? Um, I have a couple that I work with that are great. I mean, you can Google laundromat financing and find laundromat lenders out there. There's a couple of really big companies, Eastern Funding and Alliance Funding are both some of the big ones out there, but there's others too. If you buy this thing with financing and it pencils out the way you expected it to, is there a projected cash flow that you're shooting for on a monthly basis? Um, Yeah, I mean... It really depends on your situation. If you're using a lot of leverage, obviously your cash flow is going to be less, but your cash on cash return might be pretty high. So, you know, for example, on this deal, you know, call it a $200,000 laundromat. If you put, say, $30,000 in and you finance the rest, you could pretty easily, if the NOI was really 75 grand and after your loan, you know, you could net twenty five or thirty thousand dollars, which is a hundred percent, you know, ROI. Uh, cash on cash. Okay. Yeah. So it really depends on your situation because there are laundromats that are sell for well over a million bucks, and obviously your cash flow is going to be a lot higher for that laundromat than one that you buy for fifty grand. Okay. Yeah, it makes me want to uh, stop by some of these ones in town and see if they would be interested in selling. I don't know. Does that conversation come up or if people have kind of the systems in place? And I will say on this listing in series, it says that the existing owner, reason for selling, retiring. And so, I mean, is that the reason people would get out of it? Like, hey, this is going to be my, this is going to be my retirement nest egg rather than building up a portfolio of rental properties. I'm just going to build equity in, in this business and then cash out on retirement. Yeah, I mean... Retirement is one of the big reasons people get out, which I think is probably a good sign for the industry, you know, because once people are in, if you're spending five, maybe 10 hours, I mean, at that point, you're probably not spending 10, but, you know, five or 10 hours a week, you know, and you're cash flowing enough to sustain you, that's pretty tough to give up. 
Um, so retirement is one of the big reasons. There are other reasons also, but I always encourage people, if you're interested in buying a laundromat, start stopping in to laundromats and talking to owners and asking if they're willing to sell. Um, I've definitely had deals come across my desk that way, just from stopping in and talking to laundromat owners. Also direct mail campaign, similar to real estate. You can find laundromats for sale that way too. There's a host of reasons people might want to get out. And so if you catch them at the right time, you could find yourself a good deal. Okay, right. Same thing with houses, right? Like if once you go on the MLS, it becomes a little more efficient. But if you can find somebody pre-brokerage, maybe there's a deal to strike there. It's interesting because it seems like it seems like to be a very fragmented industry. And by that I mean there's no dominant like regional or national player. There's no like one eight hundred got junk for the laundromat industry. It's like they all seem to be, you know, maybe mom and pop style businesses. I don't know. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I think that that's true. And it'll be interesting to see if that remains to be true. I think one of the big barriers to like a big brand or even like a franchise model has been, you know, just the logistics of running that many laundromats. You know, so many laundromats have been coin operated and just the logistics of going to different locations and collecting coins every week. And it's just made it very difficult. But, you know, now there's a lot of technology where there's card payment systems where, you know, you're not really even dealing with coins at all in, in some of the newer laundromats. And so it's much easier to manage. I had a guy on my podcast, he lives in Italy and he owns a laundromat in Florida. And, you know, so you can kind of manage them from anywhere in the world if you set them up right now. Yeah. But it is a mom and pop industry by and large now. And that makes it an inefficient market, which means you can find good deals in the market right now. So if you catch somebody at the right time in the right situation, you can get a good buy. I'll be right back with Jordan, including more on this remote management possibility, some tax advantages to know about, and the actions Jordan took to turn around his first laundromat But first, let me take a moment to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. When you're building a business that you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And that actually sounds very familiar to me. And if you're doing all of the bookkeeping and invoicing on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like you and I. I've been a customer for years. It's the all-in-one invoicing and accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 extra hours you can spend nailing a client pitch, serving your customers, or just getting better at your craft. From building, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all of the tough and just plain old annoying parts of running your own business. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team is always available to answer questions. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get more time back to build the business you love. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need, 
all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. I am interested in this remote management aspect. Talk to me about the day-to-day responsibilities. You know, how much time are you spending on site at these places? A room full of vending machines, in a way. Like, do you need somebody (laughs) to be there? Or is it just, it would be weird to unlock the doors and then just have a free-for-all? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different business models, and one is the doors unlock on their own in the morning, and it's kind of a free-for-all. It's called an unintended laundromat, and basically, you put a automatic door locks on, and they open and close on their own, and you do typically need somebody to come in at least once a day to you know, clean up, you know, laundromats tend to get pretty messy pretty fast. A lot of people are coming in and out. So you either have somebody come in for a couple hours to just wipe down the machines and sweep and mop and clean out the lint traps, take out the trash. Or the other model is an attended model where you have somebody there all day who's keeping things clean all day and who's helping customers. And maybe they have some other responsibilities also, like manning a store or if there's a service component of the business, like a drop-off laundry service or a pickup and delivery service, maybe they're doing something with that too. Okay. So yeah, if you're hiring for that role, that obviously eats into your cash flow. And so you have to find out as you're buying, is that already baked in? Like, is that manager going to stay? Like trying to figure out, well, if the owner was doing that all themselves and the net was 75 grand, like that, that becomes a different equation if you weren't planning on buying yourself a job. Right. And I always tell people in that situation, I would just add in the expenses for an employee and base the value off of that number, not the number that they gave you where they were doing all the work. Gotcha. Yeah. It was in Japan, which probably isn't surprising where it was the unattended model. Yeah. It was just walk in, here's a bank of machines and you just do it all yourself. You don't talk to anybody. And it's just very much, uh, very technological. We felt. Okay, so there's some management, especially in the coins, like you got to deal with collecting the coins, taking them to the bank, making sure you have change. Sorry, I want to go back to the financing thing. Like anything else you've seen work on the creative financing side uh, to fund this purchase? Yeah, I mean, one of the huge benefits of laundromats, I think, and I myself, I have laundromats, but I also have real estate. I love real estate investing. But, you know, the average cash flow for laundromat is greater than real estate, but also the coveted seller financing deal that everybody seems to be looking for in real estate is pretty common, actually, in laundromats. And the reason for that is because they can be a little more difficult to fund, especially if the owner hasn't kept great records and, you know, has mismatching profit and loss sheets and taxes, um, or just can't demonstrate the income, then they typically have to fund at least some of the the purchase price. So seller financing is a, a big financing source in laundromats. 
And also speaking of real estate, a lot of times real estate investors' ears perk up when I tell them I have laundromats and kind of talk to them about, hey, you know, a 20% return laundromat is a base hit. You know, if you want a home run, you can anything over 50% is a home run in my book and their ears perk up. And so finding money partners, if you can bring the knowledge and the time investment, finding the financial investment is easier, I think, than even finding one for real estate purchases. And what's kind of cool is that you have the ability to evaluate the current state of the business. And maybe it is this guy who's nearing retirement and they haven't optimized it to the full extent that they could. So I think you have this physical space where people are hanging out for an hour, two hours doing their laundry. Like there's other things you can put in there. Like I've seen some with, you know, they had the ATMs and they got vending machines and there's all sorts of stuff. Can you speak a little bit to anything that you've done or you've seen other people do to increase the cash flow from an existing business? This is what really drove me to reach out to you and say, hey, you've got to talk about this on your podcast because not only is a laundromat a great side hustle, but it's kind of the ultimate side hustle because it has side hustles within the side hustle. <laughs> yes, a side hustle inception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Side hustle inception. That's I like that. Because there are a ton of different revenue sources you can integrate within your laundromat. And obviously, you know, your washers and dryers are going to be your main source of income, but like you mentioned, ATM machines, video games, gumball machines, toy machines, claw machines, um, massage chairs, water stations, adding services like a wash, dry, fold service or a pickup and delivery service. There's just a host of things. In fact, on my website, I have like a bunch of a list of a bunch of different value add opportunities for a laundromat. Yeah. The cool thing here is like, yeah, if you can add 500 bucks, $1,000 a month in cash flow, you just added, I don't even know, 40 grand in equity to the business. Yeah. So every dollar of net income you add to your business is going to add three and a half to $5 of equity. And that's how wealth is built, right? You got to have good cash flow. You got to build up your equity and you got to maximize your tax advantages. And if you can do those three things, I call that the wealth tripod. If you can do those three things, then you can build wealth very quickly that way. All right. Well, talk to me about the tax front. That's something we haven't touched on yet. Yeah. And, you know, obvious caveat, I'm not a, you know, a tax advisor or a CPA or anything, but you get typical business perks for having a laundromat. So you can pay your expenses before you claim it as income when you own a business. Um, instead of when we have a job, we get paid and then we pay our taxes and then we pay our expenses. And when you have a business, you get paid, you pay your expenses, and then you pay your taxes on what's left over. So that's a huge perk in and of itself. But also you have all this equipment and this equipment can be depreciated. You know, the rules vary depending on what's going on with tax laws at the moment, but depreciating the equipment basically means the equipment loses value in the IRS's eyes and you get to deduct that off of your income. So it's as if you didn't get that income, but you still get to keep that income. Okay. With the idea being that eventually it's going to have to be replaced. Well, then, then you can write that off as a capital expense. Right. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's similar to real estate. Real estate works in a similar way. 
But having a business that's based off a physical asset like that allows you to take advantage of that tax perk. Okay. So if you, if you buy a machine for, I have no idea what these things cost, (laughs) $3,000, let's say. So, so you can either write that off all at once in the year of purchase, if you have the income to do that. Yes. Or you can take this uh, depreciation over time. Is that, am I understanding that right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Is there an advantage to doing one or the other? There are advantages, and I think it depends on your financial situation. Some years, like if you know, for example, down the line, you're going to have a big windfall. And, you know, this year, for example, you know, your income is going to be a modest income, but next year you're going to get a lot more money. You may want to try to defer some of those write-offs to when you're going to have more income so you can depreciate it against that income. So, I, I mean, I would recommend talking to a CPA because it can get real complicated real fast. But, you know, the general idea is there are tax benefits also to owning laundromats. Okay. So, you've got the equipment depreciation. If you've got a lease, you're not paying any mortgage interest, but you are able to deduct your lease payment. Any other interesting deductions here? I think those are the big ones. If you buy it with the real estate, for example, my second one that I bought with the real estate, you get to take depreciation on that real estate also. And commercial real estate has some really great accelerated deductions that you can take too. And again, talk to your CPA about it, but that's another perk. And right now there's actually an awesome SBA 504 loan that's allowing you to purchase real estate I think it's with 10% down right now. And so when you're picking up a business like a laundromat, and if you can get the real estate also, you can get that real estate with very little money down. And so using your business to acquire the real estate and to pay down the real estate, again, is a huge way to accelerate your wealth building. Jordan, tell me about you know some of the actions that you took to turn around this first purchase that you didn't want, you don't want other people to be in the same boat. Like what did it take to take this from like, I think we made a horrible mistake to like, okay, this is tolerable. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, It took me a really long time to kind of figure it out. But one of the things I realized eventually is I'm in a situation where obviously I didn't expect to be in that situation. I expected to be in a situation where I was making money and I was actually losing money. And that felt like a punch in the gut. And kind of my options at that point were either to just sell it and get out, cut my losses and get out, or to double down and put more effort into it. Even though I was getting into it, hoping for it to be more passive, it actually, I ended up having to ramp up my involvement in it. And so some of the things that I did was one, I put in new equipment and that's a big deal. You know, when people come to your laundromat and it's like, playing the slot machines. When you put your quarters in, is the machine going to work or is it not going to (laughs) work? You lose customers really fast that way. And having new machines not only helps you retain those customers, it attracts new customers. Your utility bills go down. So your expenses go down because they're more efficient machines. You can charge higher vend prices because, you know, they're new machines and, you know, customers will pay a premium for that. And so, that was one big thing. Another thing was, I think I had a little bit of the field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they will come. And 
put in new machines and everything and kind of expected people to just walk through the door. And some did, but not enough. And so I ended up having to figure out creative ways to get people in the door. So whether that was through you know, digital advertising on Google and on Facebook, putting up banners and stickers in the windows, running promotions, and also just getting to know customers and getting to know the community a little bit, which actually is the best part of owning a laundromat, by the way. What else works on the marketing front? This is interesting to say, okay, um, you're clearly getting your laundry done somewhere else today. I want to conquest that market share and have you come over to see me instead. That's one of the big tricks. If you're buying a laundromat, hoping to you know fix it up and improve business is you're really in the business of changing people's habits, right? Because people have a habit of doing their laundry some other way, whether it's in their apartment complex, at a different laundromat, uh, at their home, wherever they're doing it, they have a habit of doing it somewhere else. And I really have kind of developed a a marketing strategy that's working really well for my consulting clients right now. And the premise of it is that it takes three visits for a customer to come to your laundromat. And after they've come three times, they're basically, statistically speaking, they're basically your customer at that point. So I tell people, when you open a new laundromat or you retool your store, put in new equipment and stuff, you know, step one is do something dramatic to get people in the door the first time. And so whether that's, hey, give free washes. There's a guy here in Southern California, when he opens a new store, he does free washes for a month, which costs him a lot of money. But as you can imagine, a lot of people are coming to his laundromat that month um, and he can easily rack up three visits in a month. And now those are his customers. He's built a lot of goodwill. But do something dramatic, step one, to get customers in. So whether that's free washes, um, another popular strategy is like if you have a card store, a card system, payment system, you can do like double your money. So put 20 bucks on, we'll add 20 bucks ourselves. Whatever you do, do something dramatic to get people in. Step two is once they come in that first time, your only goal is to get them to come back the second time. And so whatever promotion or marketing thing you do to get them back the second time, do that. And then your goal the second time is to get them to come back the third time. And after you've done that, then they've become your customer and you just have to keep your value proposition high at that point. Keep your store clean, keep the machines working and keep smiles on your on your staff's face. And you got lifelong customers. Yeah, I really like that element of this where... Yeah, people, it's like lawn mowing. Well, the, the grass is going to keep growing. You know, you're going to keep needing this service over and over again. The clothes are going to keep getting dirty. So I do like that aspect of it. I like that it's self-service. Like we joke about this every time we go up to Brentwood for the U-Pick cherries. It's like, we're paying for the cherries and we're doing the labor. Like this is a genius business model. And you say, you know, smiles on your staff's faces. Like, is it typically just, you know, that operator, cleaner, assistant, helper person who is there during the day, like during the hours? Or is there multiple people like kind of on staff at any given time? Yeah. Well, I would say for probably for most laundromats, there's usually one person there at a time, if anybody. But some of the bigger stores have multiple employees working there. And especially if they have a big drop-off laundry service or pickup and delivery. You know, I have friends who have 40 plus employees with their laundromats and their services. 
When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Well, Jordan, what's next for you? Are you on the hunt for more of these you want to add to your empire or uh, what's what's the future hold? Yeah, I have kind of two fronts I'm working on here. Um, in terms of laundromats, I am on the hunt. In fact, I just brought together, you know, one of the cool things about having a podcast and maybe you've experienced this too, is you meet some people who are just incredible at particularly people who are incredible at things that I'm not incredible at. And so I've put together a little team and we're actually putting together an investment group to go out and buy laundromats and real estate. You know, we just believe in this business so much and we know it, we've done the hard work and we've learned the expensive lessons and we're going out and we all have some of our own, but we're all going to go get some more. So buying more and larger laundromats and some commercial real estate on that front. And then on the laundromat resource front, you know, just providing more and more opportunities, not just for people to learn about the industry and to be able to get into it the right way, but also you know, more and more opportunities for people who know this business to be able to share what they know and share their wealth of knowledge. And so trying to be a platform where people can do that. Were there other laundromat podcasts when you started or were you trailblazing there? There was one other, um, a man named Ken Barrett, who's a great advocate for the industry, has had a, I think it was the laundromat how-to podcast. Um, he's since stopped that one. There's been a couple more that have popped up since, I think, with just the success of 
of my podcast, Surprising Success, honestly. Now, why do you say that? Well, I mean, it's a laundromat podcast. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, People are interested in it. And my, my podcast is interesting compared to the other ones that are out there mostly because I do long-form interviews with owners. And I ask them questions about their business and about their experience and try to pull out their lessons they've learned and their wisdom and get advice from them for the listeners. Um, and I think people are just really responding to hearing people's stories and learning from them. But, you know, it is a laundromat podcast, so it's just kind of surprising how many people listen to it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, there you have it, the laundromatresource.com. Check Jordan out at the Laundromat Resource Podcast. Like you said, it's a laundromat podcast. It delivers what it promises. And you got me uh, interested in this business as an investment for the passive cash flow, for the ROI. Definitely an interesting one as a way to, you know, put either some existing assets to work, put some sweat equity to work and uh, see what else is uh, out there for that. So Jordan, thanks again for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. This does not have to be laundromat related, um, but can be. Just whatever entrepreneurial wisdom you'd like to impart. Yeah, I think one of the big lessons I learned was when you work with the best people and whatever it is that you're doing, when you work with the best people, you end up becoming one of the best people. Work with the best, become the best. And that's on you know, both people who are, you know, maybe like for a laundromat, for example, brokers or distributors helping you buy equipment. When you work with the best, they're going to help you become the best. And also, you know, on the employee front, when you hire the best people, they're going to help you propel your business forward and become the best. So work with the best, become the best. I like it. That's a new one. So thank you for sharing that. Jordan, again, thanks for joining us and we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate it, Nick. Definitely an interesting option to take a look at from an investment perspective, a cash flow perspective, a potential way to buy yourself an income stream that replaces your day job. But like Jordan said, do your diligence, do your homework, look for inefficiencies, look for opportunities to improve operations. And I think the same strategies apply to buying an online business as to buying an offline one. One of the most popular episodes of the show is my chat with Stacey Caprio on buying up small-ish online businesses eventually enough to replace her salary, but it's not without risk. In fact, I think her first couple purchases didn't turn out that well, if I'm remembering correctly, but I mean, you're not going to find 20 to 30% ROIs anywhere without risk. In any case, that was episode 323, if you want to go back into the archives and check that one out. Notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash laundry. And before we go, would you like more money-making ideas? That's what my weekly newsletter is all about. 75,000 people are already getting it, and I would love to send it to you as well. You can join for free at sidehustlenation.com slash join, or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. You'll also get access to hundreds of members-only goodies and bonus files that I've created over the years, including any future ones that I end up building for upcoming episodes. Once again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash join. Thanks again to Jordan for sharing the inside scoop on the laundromat business, and thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.